a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori, to whom a 10 second standby means nothing. <laughs> at the Patriot Factor. Good evening, folks. It's the 7th of November. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I, I give the 10-second... I'm, I'm just so suffering from, you know, burnout. I need a break. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, we're going to get one. You know, we we got to break. We should tell people right off the top what we got coming up. Okay, break, break wise. Yes, we're gonna we're gonna have um, our Thanksgiving break. Yes, Friday will be our last live show. Actually, for um, we'll be back not the following Friday, but the Friday after, because for ten days I have a houseload of people, <laughs> and I am not giving up seeing my kids and and whatever to sit here and <laughs> do a show now is the grand puppy coming no the grand puppy oh. is not coming this time because it takes them you know two days to come down here and then two days back which would cut into the time plus with my new kitten and the four other cats and then a whole house full of people, it might not work out too well. Yeah. And so my son thought, you know what? It. I didn't even tell him. I told him, bring my grand puppy. But he said, no, I think we'll leave the grand puppy in the kennel. Or I should say animal hotel. It's not a kennel by any means. Yeah, we, you know, we had some friends in Phoenix that, that had a pet resort. They owned a pet resort. That's what this is where where he goes. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it was fancy. It was big time fancy. And they had they had an on site veterinarian, and they had all sorts yep. of things. And and uh, yeah, you know, uh, Homer and Julie ran it. And I mean, people absolutely loved taking their pets there because they got cared for so well. So. Mm, okay. Yeah, folks, if you got yeah. a pet resort anywhere near you, you ought to check it out. Yeah, no, the one that my son and daughter-in-law bring their their um, puppy to is very good. I mean, there's cameras in the room so they can watch them 
anytime they want. They have each dog or cat has their own TV. I mean, this is uh, <laughs> high end. They get massages. <laughs> Yeah, sit around the pool having drinks with little yeah, umbrellas in them. Going to this place. <laughs> oh. oh, it's fun, folks! We got a lot to cover tonight, Diane. You've got the case for treason. Yes, I'm covering a den of anti-Semite vipers. Okay, let's and start. They are vipers. They are vipers. Let's start with quick hitters. And we go to the great state of Ohio, where they've got mm-hmm. a constitutional amendment question on their ballot today. Yeah, and this is, I, I'm really surprised at Ohio because they usually are a red state. They want to make abortion, make a change to their constitution to make abortion legal right up to the time of birth. I'm sorry, once you get past a certain time, you're committing murder. Because once a a fetus reaches a certain age, it is viable. Right. And Meaning up until the time of birth, you're, you're killing a human being that's alive. How any woman can do that, I really don't have any comprehension of that. Well, right now, Ohio's... Uh abortion cutoff point is 22 weeks now you know when when gestation is a full what 39 weeks 22 seems like it's getting pretty yeah, deep no, in the time i'm sorry yeah, yeah but uh, you know i'm saying you know you give birth at 39 right so to okay, me well they aim for 40 but any time between 32 and 39 okay. but a fetus can actually live if it passes that six month mark a lot of medical intervention but they can survive yes that's your point and it's a good point it's not exactly my point my point is that when you set the mark at 22 weeks that's pretty deep into the time frame anyway and right and that's where ohio is now and these stark raving mad liberals want to push it all the way up to the time of birth. It it makes no sense to me at all. No, it it really doesn't. You know, and and I'm one of them. I am not totally against abortion. I have three or four criteria. The rape, incest, the life of the mother, or a baby that is so medically compromised that it cannot survive after birth. Right. And I know someone personally that happened to. Well, and that's common sense. I mean, that's, that's a very common sense and scientific approach. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm off of the heartbeat law. Once you're, once the heart starts beating and what people don't understand and they still don't get it. Life does not begin at conception, folks. That's pre-life. You cannot, you can conceive 20, 20 uh, sperm can fertilize 20 eggs. But until there's a heartbeat, they cannot live. No human can live without a heartbeat. 
The cessation well. of a heartbeat is what determines death. The beginning of oh. a heartbeat is what determines life. So I, I totally support the heartbeat law. No. But this nonsense with up to birth, liberals. Ohio, what were they thinking? Liberals are living without a brain. That's I mean, true. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what the heartbeat law. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you hear all the time, you know, certain people say, well, you know, life begins at conception. No, it doesn't. Um, you know, it, it's it's the precursor. Conception right. is the precursor to life. Before conception, right. it's pretty much just a party. <laughs> True. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know what Ohio's thinking. Now, earlier they had uh, a thing. Uh, I guess maybe this was a year ago, two years ago. They tried to get a thing passed so that ballot initiatives or constitutional amendment changes, which this would be both, would require a 60% vote to pass. That got shot down. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Ohio, Ohio said, no, no, no. We're, we're just going to go with a simple majority. Now, the polls in Ohio have not yet closed, I don't think, or maybe they just did. Um, 7 o'clock. Okay, so, you know, we don't have any results. We don't know how that's going to turn out. But there's also... A major voting going on uh, in uh, Virginia today, mm-hmm. um, where they're yeah. trying to hold on to the House and flip the Senate red in the state of Virginia. Right. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's not impossible. No, and I mean, you look at all the positive uh, changes that have gone on in in that state over the past couple of years since Glenn Youngkin was elected the mm-hmm. governor. And it's very possible that they could actually flip their, their state house Senate, you know, the Senate right. side of the, the, you know, state government tonight. So, uh, and they, and they're looking at that as a possible bellwether for how the, the national vote might go next year. You want to know something? I think anything that happens right now, honestly, is too soon to well, tell. Yeah, it, I mean it is, but <clears throat> this is these are the you know there's only a tiny little handful of elections that are taking place tonight, right. and then then there won't be anything until November 2024, a year from now. So. Right. You know, if you're looking for how maybe the mood has shifted in states that, you know, have, uh, you know, one part of their government is red and the other part of it's blue, uh, you know, or, or they're kind of in that purple category. If you're looking to see how some of those states fare tonight, that might be an indicator of the national mood. At least it's a snapshot of the national mood as we sit today. True. And we've got to keep an eye on the Kentucky race as well. They're very good uh, while man Kentucky running is there. Us- yeah, well, you know, while Kentucky is usually a red state, they have a blue governor. And there is somebody running against, and he apparently has a pretty good chance of flipping it. 
but we won't know for quite a while. He is their state attorney general right now. Mm-hmm. And he's running yeah. for governor, and he is sharp as a razor blade. So, you know, we're hoping good things uh, take place in, in all three of those races, Kentucky, Virginia, and over in Ohio. Right. If anything comes in while we're still on air, we'll let you know. But I think it'll be too early, really. Yeah, it, it might be. I think this is gonna, might be a close vote, so it's going to take a while, I'm guessing. Um, meanwhile, yeah, everything seems to. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, we move on uh, to the Governor Ron DeSantis campaign portion of tonight's Yay. show. Governor Ron DeSantis picked up a big endorsement from Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. Very, very big endorsement. And we learned a lot of personal things about that endorsement as well. Um, Kim Reynolds' husband has been diagnosed fairly fairly recently, I should say, with lung cancer. And before the endorsement was made, before anything, when the campaign was just getting started, and, of course, Governor Reynolds was very upset. It's her husband. Casey DeSantis went to Ohio. Iowa. On her own to meet with the family because she just became a survivor of breast cancer. Her first remission didn't hold, but this one is. And she helped them understand you might not make it the first time, but you can't give up and and whatever. And it showed how much she really cares about people. And that very much impressed Governor Reynolds who also, to put it frankly, is quite tired of Trump and doesn't think he can win in the general election. And she's very much a staunch conservative. And guys, I don't care what anyone says, Trump is not a conservative. That's true. That's yeah, true. He might have conservative leanings on certain issues, but he's not an overall conservative by any means, he's barely a Republican as far as I see it, but uh, well, well, I know. <laughs> you know, with this endorsement, you know, it's being touted as a major endorsement. It is, okay, but we're still a long ways out. It's, it's well, we're going to have to wait and see how endorsements like that play out over the next several months, you know, whether it right. holds the same weight in let's say, uh, three months' time that it does today. Um, and and I, and I got to keep I got to keep warning or reminding Diane, you know, Iowa is a strange state. And the Iowa caucus is one of the strangest political events that that ever takes place. Um, mm-hmm. if you've if you've ever seen, the collection uh, of granola, one ate fruits and nuts as flakes, that show up for the Iowa caucus. It looks like the crowd waiting to get in to let's make a deal. Well, you know what? None of that matters. The endorsement that Trump got by Christy Nome hasn't really done anything at this point. 
the endorsement of Governor DeSantis hasn't really done anything at this point. Everything is up in the air until the actual voting takes place. Right. We all know that pollsters uh, skew numbers in favor of their preferred candidate. I don't put any credence in any polls this far out. No, and you right really now, can't. Honestly, you can't right. because it's it's just – there's so many balls in the air right now with all these different candidates. It's, you know, polls are polls. Like I said, they're snapshots, and that's about it. Yeah. But right now, Trump has one gubernatorial um, endorsement. DeSantis has one. They're one-on-one here. Yeah. None of this, I mean, it's great that they both have their endorsements, but it's too far out. Too many things can change. I heard a very interesting thing on Fox a little bit before we um, started getting ready to go on air. According to one of the the big mucky mucks that was on, um, 20% of Republicans are diehard only Trumpers. They will vote for Trump no matter what. If if he's in jail, no matter what. 30% plus are Republicans that are open to other candidates. That leaves roughly a little over 40% that the candidates, including Trump, have to worry about. Right. Because the numbers that they're showing now, like when you see them going in, oh, we just polled people leaving here and this and that. Don't be fooled, folks. They're polling people that they know are either Trumpers or this one or that one or who support Biden. It's way too far out. What people forget in 2012, Obama was losing right up to the end. Hillary Clinton was blowing him away. I mean, in 20, um, for, for the nomination in 2008, not 2012. In 2016, Hillary was beating Trump right up to the end. Right. These polls don't mean anything this far out. You know, 12 years ago, there actually were people in Iowa at the caucus voting for that crazy guy that used to wear a rubber boot on his head. Huh? Yeah. There was some nut that was running for president. I can't think of his name. Uh, but he used to wear a rubber boot on his head. And there were people at the Iowa caucus actually voting for that guy. So, How to know, be a Democrat. <laughs> I, I think he was an independent or Green Party maybe or something. He was, oh, he was one Green of those. Party. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, yeah, that explains a lot right there, right? Um, right. But I'm just telling you, <laughs> Iowa is... The, as mummies go, they're not tightly wrapped, let's say. No. No. Um, here's something interesting. And, and Diana and I both read this article uh, today, and we both came away with, with, you know, like maybe there's some hope for some of these people. An ex-Muslim actually has mm-hmm. this whole Gaza genocide thing figured out. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting read if people 
get a chance to read it. The article is actually called Ex Muslim Points Out One Figure That Shreds the False Gaza Genocide Narrative. And like Craig said, he's an ex Muslim. But he pointed out why Israel isn't the one committing genocide in Gaza. Because Israel doesn't target civilians, Hamas does. Hamas has kept two million people in Gaza, using them as human shields against their will. And they hide in terrorists, you know, the underground tunnels with the shields as protections. In fact, those who have tried to flee Gaza will be gunned down by Hamas for fleeing. He also goes on in his article, in his dissertate, I should say, to point out about Gaza. I mean, uh, Hamas is the one that hides bombs and this and that in hospitals and schools on playgrounds. But the most interesting thing about it all is the biggest killer of Muslims are Muslims themselves. He points to Yemen. He points to other countries where the genocide of if you're Shia and the other is Sunni, you're Sunni, the other is Shia, they're, they're all killing each other. I mean, he talks about Yemen, he talks about uh, Saudi Arabia, he talks about Syria. Uh, Somalia, yeah. Somalia, he's got the numbers, too, to back it up. You know, right. and this, this guy's name is Harris Sultan. Right. And... Um, He's got all the facts and figures. Now, he put this, and I don't know how you do this, okay, but he put a big, long post on X, mm-hmm. right? And he's got all the facts and all the figures, and he's got all the numbers, the charts, the graphs, all of it is in there right. to, to show you exactly what he's talking about. And these aren't numbers he made up. These are numbers yeah. that come out of the Arab countries. Right. You know, so everybody's blaming the Jews for um, what's going on in, in Gaza. What other country have you ever heard of that so tries to protect civilians that days before they're going into an invade, they drop leaflets and tell the people to get out and tell them where to go because they're not going to be bombing that area. And yet Hamas will take a child, put them in front of them, and let the child take the bullet so they don't. Yeah. I mean, he's got this thing figured out. And this is yeah, what and you and I have been talking about for weeks. Muslim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and I have been talking about this for weeks. You know, yes. And it's nice to see somebody from that part of the world, from that background, step up, step up and say, Israel's not the blame here. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what uh, I also found fascinating about this article? He has pictures in his ex-post. Um, they're showing right now um, Palestinians carrying children out of rubble, dead children, whatever. Uh-huh. Well, it right. turns out that most of those pictures are from the destruction that was caused by Muslims in Yemen. The same children, the same people, cover you know, carrying them out, just with a different date on them. Yeah, that's all. You know, and I mean, he, all this stuff is time stamped and everything. 
it's a very interesting read. Right. You know, I mean, right. it just is. And, you, you know, you talk about, you know, what other country, you know, would drop leaflets and warn people to get out of the area. Stuff. The only other time I've really ever heard of that, and I think this goes back all the way to Ronald Reagan. Okay, there was um, an offshore oil platform that was being used as uh, a launch point for rockets. And I, th- right. I think th- I think this was part of the whole Gaddafi thing back when uh, when Reagan was in office, and Reagan mm-hmm. had our military actually send a message to that oil platform and told everybody, get off the oil platform. You've got one hour and we're going to blow it out of the water. <coughs> mm-hmm. They jumped off that thing like rats off a sinking ship. And one hour later, that oil platform simply did not exist anymore. Right. Right. Well, here's one interesting statistic that he gave Assad. Remember Syria, guys? Right. Assad, you know, Bashar al-Assad. Right. He killed 500,000 Muslims in Syria. Remember all his gas attacks and things? Right. It's not Israel that's killing these people. It's their own people killing these people. Yep. I mean, it's sad but true. And finally, mm-hmm. let's take a, a quick look at any updates coming out of the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, Israel has Gaza City surrounded. They've got it in a, a pincher mode. They're actually closing in throughout the city, and they're not around the city. They're now in the city, the IDF is. Right. And uh, right. they, they are rooting these, these uh, Hamas terrorists out left and right. Right. In, in, in fact, right now, Gaza and Gaza City, they're actually split in two. They're starting at the north, clearing everything out of there, and then they'll move south. While at the same time, Egypt has opened that border to allow people through. But while this is happening, Hamas is the ones that are still alive. They're actually shooting their own people who are trying to get to the south and get out. Go figure. Because they consider them traitors, you know, to their cause, whatever. But Israel, this is very important today. Top Israeli officials have said they intend to retain security control of Gaza for an indefinite period of time to prevent new militant groups from forming. And that's a very good thing. They do not want to administer daily life or anything like that in Gaza, but they want to control the security. And they are 100% correct in this. Because remember, let's say they get all the, the Hamases now. You got the next generation right behind them. The children who have been indoctrinated to hate Jews since they started school. So Israel needs some monicum of control within the Gaza Strip, and they will do it. Well, and, you know, what's really interesting about this is this is something they learned, literally learned, from Joe Biden. Okay, now I know people are like, what? 
Yeah. <laughs> you you watch Joe Biden, you watch what he does, and you do the exact opposite. That's how you learn mm-hmm. from Joe Biden. If they did not intend to hold that kind of security control over Gaza for an indefinite period, they would leave a vacuum of power in Gaza the same way that Joe Biden left a vacuum of power in Afghanistan. And look what Afghanistan has become. So you you can learn from Joe Biden if you just do the opposite of what Joe would do. And that's what Bibi Netanyahu has done. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart man. And again, folks, I cannot stand the people that blame Netanyahu for this. This is not Netanyahu's fault. This is the government right before him, who yep. when he lost one of the elections, there was a two-year span where it was the Lapid Bennett government. That was a very liberal government who tried to kumbaya why can't we all get along well when you have that in power you don't look for things you should be looking for netanyahu was always on top of what was going on he knew about these tunnels so did lapid so did bennett and they didn't you know they did nothing about it uh netanyahu couldn't He was no longer prime minister, but they sat there knowing possibilities and instead try to make buddy-buddy with these people. You don't make buddy-buddy with people trying to kill you. Well, and the very people that uh, Bennett uh, was trying to buddy-buddy up to are the people that engaged in the massacre exactly one month ago today. So there you have it. Exactly. All right, so we've hit so, the, the uh, bottom of the hour, Diane, and, and we've got a couple of great segments coming up. You've got mm-hmm. the case for treason, and then about a half an hour from now, I've got a den of anti-Semite vipers. So let's go ahead and take the bottom of the hour break here. We'll be back with more Right Side Patriots after this. to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. 
and join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button. This show and all the rest will be right there waiting for you. I don't know what that was. Did you hear that? That was a pop-up. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. I just came, came across and went, what, huh? Kind of threw me there. All right, Diane, so you have taken on the case for treason. I got to ask before you launch into this, did you, I, I'm guessing you got a lot of positive response from this. Tremendous positive response from this, and I, I thank everybody. I thought you might. Okay, so a case for treason. Okay, the word treason seems to be a catch-all word many easily banter about, forgetting that our Constitution, our rule of law, is very specific as to the actual definition of treason. In fact, treason is not just the one crime our Constitution specifically defines, but it is the one crime our founders and framers elaborated on in relation to its cause and effect, its ramifications, and its punishment as well. Our Constitution, Article 3, Section 3, states, quote, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court, end quote. And while Congress can adjudicate punishment for treason, they can do so only with the stipulation that, quote, no attainer of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained, end quote. And as constitutionally written, the charge of treason is not a charge easily rendered, as it can only be levied against American citizens, citizens who have betrayed the allegiances they are, quote, presumed to owe to these United States. And the men who authored the Constitution were wise enough to know that not only did citizens owe a, quote, duty of loyalty to this country, but that a treason clause would help guard against what they believe could be a historic use, as per their beliefs of its use in the past, by uh, by repressive governments to silence possible legitimate political opposition. And here is where the word legitimate, coupled with adhering to the enemies giving giving them aid and comfort, comes into play. For we are now bearing witness to some in our country, not just adhering or giving aid and comfort to a tangible enemy, but to an enemy of Western civilization and freedom itself. And Craig, to make matters worse, said acts of treason are being initiated by a number of American, Israeli-hating members residing in our halls of Congress. 
Okay, so you've given us a bit of a historical background on treason, a constitutional <laughs> definition of treason. How mm-hmm. does it fit into the here and now with what we're seeing going on in the world today? Okay, well, the easiest way to begin is to start with the terrorist group Hamas. And know that supporting or even condoning the heinous actions does constitute a degree of treason. How so? The Palestinian-comprised terrorist organization that is bankrolled, supplied, and given its marching orders by Iran is indeed an enemy of the United States. For when on October 7, 2023, Hamas operatives savagely attacked Israel's civilians, killing over 1,500 Israelis and 33 Americans, they declared war on America as well. And with Hamas taking 245-plus hostages, hostages comprised of Israeli, American, and those from other Western countries, this Hamas-initiated war extends well beyond just Israel. And know the Hamas attack, an attack on the Jewish people unseen since the days of the Holocaust, was fueled by a deep-seated and long-smoldering bloodlust for Hamas's goal, as per its August 18, 1988 original, what they call Covenant, not only lays out their genocidal intentions towards Israel and the Jewish people, but also states this is to be a holy war, a war divinely ordained and scripturally sanctioned, ordained and sanctioned by a man who deemed himself to be a prophet. And said covenant clearly states, and I summarize here, that the complete and total destruction of Israel is an, quote, essential condition for the liberation of the Palestinian people and the establishment of a theocratic state based upon Islamic law alone, meaning Sharia. Therefore, the need for both, quote, unrestrained and unceasing holy war, which is jihad, to attain the above objective is paramount above all else. Also stated is Hamas's, quote, deliberate disdain for and dismissal of any negotiated resolution and or political settlement of Jewish and Muslim claims to the Holy Land. In other words, Israel and the Jewish people must be wiped off the face of the map, no matter that a 2017 charter revision stated that Hamas is not anti-Jewish, but anti-Zionist, and that Zionists are their true enemy. This, in my opinion, is a blatant lie, a lie conceived to try and put lipstick on a Hamas pig. For if that was true, why then did these, what I call pieces of human garbage, cut babies and young children's fingers and toes off while still alive? Why did they bind a mother and her baby together with wire and then burn them alive? Why did they rape women and girl children to such a degree that their pelvises were broken after which their heads were either cut or blown off? Why indeed? Why did these vile men 
And what I'm about to tell you was not only documented on Hamas body cam footage taken off the dead terrorist with said footage now in Israeli government hands, but personally witnessed by first responder Asha Moskowitz tasked with trying to identify the remains in the video below are his words, testimony to that truth. I can, don't have time, guys, to read you his words. It's pretty long, but the video is in my article. Listen to them. They're horrifying. So why did they enter a Jewish home near the Gaza border, shoot the father dead, grab the baby from its mother's arms, throw the baby into the kitchen oven on high, and then laughingly gang-rape the mother who screamed for her baby as it was being baked to death before they shot her dead. Why? Because not only do these savages enjoy seeing Jews die, but because the goal of Hamas and others like them is to eliminate future Jewish and Israeli births, hence bring an end to the Jewish bloodline, a bloodline carried via Jewish women, matrilineal descent, it's called, a fact seemingly being ignored. And this is why overt brutalities are being committed more against Jewish women and girls than they are against Jewish men. Men also savagely brutalized, but seemingly not to the same extent as that of Jewish women. Simply Craig, Hamas, and of course Iran is trying to finish what Hitler could not accomplish as in stopping the Jewish bloodline from continuing on. And if you think they'll stop with the Jews, you folks are foolish indeed, for Christians are surely next on their target list. Now that that first video that you've got embedded in the blog at the patriotfactor.blogspot.com is very compelling. Um, it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to listen to the guy's words because you know he's speaking the truth. But that's not the only video you have uh, embedded in this blog with with uh, that truth being told. Um, you've got another uh, first responder uh, video from Israel. Uh, where a gentleman is also talking about some of the horrible things that he saw. But what Hamas is doing is not being done in a vacuum. Yes, we know they're the proxy of Iran, but they also have other help in that regard, don't they? Right. Right. But before I get into that, I want to say one thing about the first video. This man who's in the video He was tasked with the job of when certain remains came in, there were already the rummages that a baby had been burnt to death in an oven. And he was one of them that had to forensically go through the remains. This man is the man that found the coils of the oven embedded into what was left in the baby. This did indeed happen. Okay, now the video, the second video that Craig was just talking about was by first responder Eli Beer, who spoke about it on a recent Mike Huckabee podcast and told about the atrocities he personally witnessed. That's the video that's there. All you have to do is click on both and they'll come directly up. 
Now, it's also important to remember that Hamas freely operates and maneuvers inside Gaza with the full support of the so-called Palestinian people, people indoctrinated for generations into the mindset that they must kill Jews, people whose children have been bred to be the next generation of terrorists. And with even one Palestinian or their supporter here in our country condemning Hamas, I should say not even one, condemning Hamas or their actions means they and their congressional ringleaders are indeed giving aid and comfort to the enemy, courtesy of their actions taken and actions also not taken by condemnation. Actions like demanding an unconditional end to U.S. military assistance to Israel, along with urging de-escalation between the two sides, and especially that Israel must cease their genocidal attack on what they claim are innocent Palestinian civilians. Innocent Palestinians? I think not. For if one does not condemn, one does condone. And yet, those here at home who support or make excuses for Hamas's actions and cry for Palestinian civilians ignore the fact that Hamas is comprised of and supported by Palestinians. And condemnation of Israel continues to be spewed from the mouths of House members Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Cory Bush, Jamal Bowman, Andre Carson, Al Green, Summer Lee, and Delia Ramirez, Jew and Israel haters who not only turn a blind eye to the terrific butchery and savagery committed by Hamas, but actually deem Israel the aggressor who deserves whatever Hamas can dish out and will support their cause. Case in point, last Wednesday when Marjorie Taylor Greene's resolution to censor Rashida Tlaib for, quote, anti-Semitic activity sympathizing with terrorist organizations and leading an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol complex, end quote, came to vote, 23 House Republicans sided with the Democrats to kill that resolution. And it's because if passed, the Democrats would then call for green censure for her being the one to propose Tlaib's censure. The names of those Republicans are in a footnote at the bottom of the article. But sadly, the 23 Republican representatives have now shown themselves to be cowards. Cowards too afraid to go on record against Tlaib out of fear of a Democrat tit-for-tat reprisal. Instead, they choose not to censure the very woman who so relishes in spewing hate and lies about Israel and the Jewish people, thus allowing Tlaib to keep spewing hateful rhetoric. This woman, whose very words and actions surely, quote, gives aid and comfort to the enemy, is now free to not only incite others to to uh, take to the streets in support of those who have committed atrocities so vile that no civilized person would ever think of committing, but to support the very people, the Palestinians, who put them in power. And Craig, it's sad indeed, as the Republican Party is now not only divided over who should be the 2024 Republican nominee, but sees 23 House members not only daring 
to challenge the words of both the Constitution and U.S. Code, but getting away with it courtesy of being afraid of their own shadows. I know. They're jumpy and twitchy. They got no backbones. They got no cojones. You know, the founders and framers, they saw the possibility, you know, of somebody committing treason within our own government. But do you think they saw the ilk of Talib? Actually, no. Our founders and framers actually must be turning over in their graves. For the words they let out in regards to treason are now being ignored by some in Congress. When the aforementioned Rashida Talib gave a hate speech outside the Cannon House office building after Israel started its retaliation for the savagery committed on October 7th. The large anti-Israel pro-Palestinian protesters gathered, who were gathered heard her incitement-filled words, which directly led to more than 300 of those protesters being arrested for physically forcing their way into the government building, which I believe is insurrection, with three arrests being made for physically assaulting a police officer. But some will say that said actions were not against America or our government per se. So how can it be treason? Again, when Hamas willingly murdered the first of 33 Americans, de facto war on America was declared. Hence the protesters' physical and violent show of support for America's enemy can be deemed adhering to our enemies, giving them aid and comfort. And they did so as a direct response to Tlaib's words of incitement. And then there's 18 U.S. Code 2339B, which states in no uncertain terms, quote, whoever knowingly provides material support or resources to a foreign terrorist organization or attempts or conspires to do so shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. And if death of any person results, shall be imprisoned for any term of years or for life. These words, Craig, directly applied to not only the current batch of anti-Israel pro-Hamas supporters in Congress and those who believe Hamas's savage and inhumane actions against Israeli citizens and 33 Americans were justified, but also to those who think that monies in the guise of humanitarian aid must continue to be given to the very people who help funnel said monies into Hamas's war chest. And here I mean both Barack Obama and Joe Biden. You know, when it comes to the funneling of money, and you're talking about Obama and Biden here, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. That doesn't happen by mistake or without them knowing, does it? No, no. Both men knew money funneling was going on, so they too are guilty of giving aid and comfort to America's and our allies, Israel, as well. 
giving material support and or resources to a designated foreign terrorist organization, a terrorist organization who have the full support of the people, said monies were designated to go to, is indeed a form of treason. Under the above stated 18 U.S. Code 2339B, as well as the Constitution. And folks, under the Foreign Terrorist Organizations Bureau of Counterterrorism, I have the grab in the article, Hamas is dead center of that list. So, with this piece of legislation, we are helping an ally in need while also cutting funding from Joe Biden's weaponized IRS. These funds are better used supporting Israel than being used by IRS agents to audit middle-class Americans. So said Republican Policy Committee Chairman Gary Painter. After the House, with the support of 12 Democrats, did right by Israel, even knowing that Biden promised to veto this now standalone, not tied to Ukraine funding bill, and Biden's, or should I say Obama's, true anti-Israel, anti-Jewish sentiments clearly show through. After Biden stated that a pause, a ceasefire was needed to allow humanitarian aid into Gaza, more like allowing Hamas time to regroup, and that no monies, the promised $14.3 billion in federal aid, will go to Israel unless monies also go to Ukraine, as in hush monies, and to the Palestinians in the guise of anything but humanitarian aid. And now with Kamala Harris, also Obama's puppet, more concerned about Islamophobia than she is about growing U.S. and worldwide anti-Semitism. The fact remains that only two things are recognized by those like Hamas, strength and might. And to Israel and America, I say three terrorist strikes and one, you're out. The Holocaust was strike number one, 9-11 was strike number two, and Obama's seventh October 7th, I should say, was number three. The time to end this is long past due. Simply, the hatred of Jews in Israel must no longer be allowed or condoned. And those who side with terrorists must be called to task. And the payback, which is known to be a bitch, let's start with Gaza not being just rubble, but being turned into dust. Part of the problem would then be solved. Case closed. Folks, it's a great article, and you really need to give it a look, and you need to check out the videos that Diane has embedded in the blog. It's under the title, The Case for Treason. You can find it at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or you can go to rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get the link, you can read the full article, and share the link. Now, since you wrote this, okay, mm-hmm. we've had a new development today. Uh, there were two new attempts put forward to censure Rashida Tlaib. Um, right. Marjorie Taylor Greene rewrote the one that, that got shot down, where the 23 Republicans, by the way, whose names all appear in the footnotes on your op-ed. 
Right. I have four footnotes there, guys, that yeah. are worth looking at. Um, she rewrote it, and she took out the word insurrection at the Capitol and replaced right. insurrection with illegal occupation. Because apparently, um, you know, uh, Democrats, liberals uh, are incapable of insurrections. Uh, that's that's only a thing for the Republicans, apparently. Um, apparently. So that went up for a vote uh, late this afternoon. And shortly before we went on the air, there was actually a vote to table it, which would essentially kill it, right? Right. That vote to table it failed. There, there were six Republicans that voted to table it. There was one Democrat that voted in favor of censuring Tlaib. Now, I got to tell you real quick, while the arguments were taking place on the floor of the House as to whether or not to table this thing, Cory Bush, one of the squad members, had an absolute freaking meltdown on, on the floor of the House. I mean, she went Bat crap crazy on the floor of the house. Screaming, yelling, flailing her arms around. When she ran out of time and they said the the lady is out of time, she wouldn't quit. She wouldn't shut up. Yeah. She kept flailing her arms around, screaming and yelling. They cut off her mic. She still wouldn't quit. Hmm. Blaming it on slavery in the United States and skin color and this and that. And the, the house was full of people that kept slaves. I, she, was, she was stark raving bonkers. Tlaib is a very dangerous woman. She even said, don't dare criticize me. Yeah, right. Um. I didn't know she had that kind of authority to demand that nobody criticize her. I don't think censure is enough. I think her, Ilhan Omar, AOC, Presley, Corey Bush. Bush, and the others, they need to be thrown out under the aiding and abetting clause. Just thrown right out of Congress. They have no right representing this country when they're giving aid and comfort to our enemy. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I, you know, it's like you say at the very beginning of the op-ed, reason is a word that gets thrown around and quite frankly, it gets overused and, and used inappropriately used in places where it really does not apply. And if you think, well, yeah, treason's pretty, you know, pretty tough, you know, charge to go against these people. Just read Diane's blog. Read those sections of the Constitution. Read what she has cited in in this op-ed, and you will see that what these squad members, maybe most specifically Talib and Omar, but the rest of them too, what they are actually guilty of constitutionally. Right. But besides being vile pieces of garbage uh, with no morals whatsoever, they are in direct violation of U.S. Code and the Constitution. But the Republicans are going to have to 
unite and stick together. They have supporters who support Israel, Democrats, who will come over and vote with what they propose if it's presented the right way. Well, the first thing and I got to do is grow, the first thing I got to do, Diane, is grow a set. I yeah, I know. I mean, I know. You know, that's that's problem number one, folks. Do yourselves a favor. Go to the patriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. Grab the link to Diane's op-ed, "The Case for Treason," and share it everywhere that you can. Especially the videos. The problem here is many people are afraid to look at the pictures and whatever. These videos are are actual testimony by the people who witnessed it. Yeah. And there's you're not going to see the violent, horrible, you know, things. I've I've had that in previous articles. Right. But you need to see what these bastards did you can't put it on the back burner you have to understand what these savages did oh, that's why that's why the videos are there folks grab the link share it everywhere we got to take a top of the hour break we've got one segment to go and when we come back i'm talking about a den of anti-semite vipers Stand by. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and shazam, you got it. 
<laughs> All right. So, kind of continuing, kind of a complimentary piece to what Diane wrote. You know, the um, the anti-Semite vipers are not just roaming the halls of Congress. Um, no. The UN has a huge problem. And that's, that's what I got to looking at for this week. And I came up with a commentary under the title, a den of anti-Semite vipers. And let's get something straight once and for all. And I don't give a happy damn what indoctrinated idiots on college campuses in the mainstream media, or for that matter, at the United Nations of thugs, thieves, and despots are so fond of parroting. Israel was not an occupying force in Gaza on October 7th, 2023. In fact, Israel turned Gaza over to the so-called Palestinians in 2005, and in 2007, those so-called Palestinians elected the international terrorist organization and Iran proxy Hamas as their government. That move by the unoccupied so-called Palestinians made Gaza into a terrorist cesspool and staging ground for strikes directed by Iran against Israel. To be entirely clear, not a single inch of Gaza or the Gaza Strip had one single Israeli citizen or member of the IDF on its soil since 2005. That is 18 years of the so-called Palestinians being free. Furthermore, there is an easy way to prove that all the indoctrinated college idiots, the mainstream media, and the United Nations of thugs, thieves, and despots are flat-out lying about Israel occupying Gaza. If Israel was occupying Gaza on October 7, 2023, Why are all the aforementioned liars now claiming that Israel is on the verge of entering Gaza? Last week, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez flat out lied, Diane, when he stated in a speech, and I quote, the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum, unquote. And he then went on to state that Gaza was under, quote unquote, Israeli occupation. Well, what's very um, telling about that, there's a very, very simple way of showing that they're lying. Well, yeah, if Gaza was or is occupied by Israel, Israel would have already had their military in Gaza, and there would be no reason to enter Gaza now. Exactly. Exactly. That's just common sense. But let's let's provide some historical perspective. In 2015, ISIS attacked Frances Charlie Hebdo magazine, a policewoman and a Jewish supermarket, leaving 17 people dead. The UN Secretary General then, Ban Ki-moon, strongly condemned the Islamic terrorist attacks, stating, quote, I am appalled and deeply shocked by the attack against Charlie Hebdo in Paris this morning, unquote. He did not wait 18 days. He did not blame France. Ban strongly condemned the attack that very morning in no uncertain terms after 17 people were murdered. 
Ban Ki-moon then went on to state, quote, This horrific attack is meant to divide. We must not fall into that trap. This is a moment for solidarity. Around the world, we must stand strong for freedom of expression and tolerance and stand against forces of division and hate, unquote. That was eight years after Hamas had become the official government of the so-called Palestinian people in Gaza. And today, ISIS flags are flying in Gaza as what was ISIS has folded itself into Hamas. Today, ISIS is Hamas, and Hamas is ISIS. They're one and the same. But last week, 18 days after Hamas barbarically murdered, raped, beheaded, and burned alive more than 1,400 men, women, and children in Israel, and took another 200-plus as hostages, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, refused to condemn Hamas, and instead blamed Israel. The difference is that this time it was Jews that were slaughtered by the Islamic barbarians, and that death toll of more than 1,400 includes some 30 Americans. Diane, making matters worse, the U.S. provides nearly 28% of the funding to the United Nations of Thugs, Thieves, and Despots. Not only has the Biden regime been funding Iran by allowing the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism to sell oil to China and Russia while also funding Iran's proxy army and government, Hamas in Gaza, the U.S. is also providing the lion's share of funding to the organization that protects the Islamic barbarians when they launch an attack against the Jewish people in Israel that harkens back to the Dark Ages. Well, it's it's very um, interesting to note that also there was another condemnation against Islamic acts of of terrorism, but that condemnation was done for the attack that happened in France, but no condemnation for the attack that happened in Israel. Yeah, again, another caveat from from the United Nations, right? At the time of the attack in France, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Zaid Rahad, Zaid Rahad al-Hussein strongly condemned the Islamic attacks of barbarism, stating, quote, If this attack is allowed to feed discrimination and prejudice, it will be playing straight into the hands of extremists whose clear aim is to divide religions and societies. With xenophobia and anti-migrant sentiments already on the rise in Europe, I am very concerned that this awful calculated act will be exploited by extremists of all sorts, unquote. Now, the current UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Volker Turk of Austria, on October 10th, 2023, just three days after the barbaric attack against Israel, first condemned what he called, quote, the Israeli siege of Gaza, unquote, in response to the barbarism perpetrated by Hamas before he added, almost as an afterthought, that the, quote, unquote, Horrifying mass killings by members of the Palestinian armed groups should also be condemned. Turk made sure to point out that Israeli retaliatory airstrikes against the Hamas militant group 
struck residential buildings and schools across the Gaza Strip and called those strikes illegal under international law. What Volker Turk conveniently omitted from his anti-Israel statements was the fact that since becoming the official government in Gaza, Hamas has intentionally placed their military assets, their rockets, their rocket launchers, weapons manufacturing complexes, command and control centers, and headquarters in residential neighborhoods, in schools, and in hospitals so as to use civilians as human shields. Not a word regarding any of that being illegal under international law. Diane, for 18 years, the U.N. has stood by silently while Hamas, Iran's proxy army and government, stole humanitarian aid dollars, but military facilities or put military facilities in hospitals, stored their rockets in schools, fired rockets from civilian neighborhoods, arrested, tortured, and murdered their own political opponents, silenced free speech, and committed countless human rights violations against the very Palestinian people they claim to represent. Well, it's very interesting what happened when last week, what I call the useless nations, they held a specific vote on whether or not to condemn Hamas for their actions. And it would be interesting to know what the outcome of that vote was. Well, let me just tell you, last week, the United Nations of Thugs, Thieves, and Despots held that vote on whether or not to condemn Hamas for the sadistic, barbaric attack against Israel on 10-7. And not surprisingly, that condemnation of Hamas failed to pass as 55 member nations voted against the resolution and another 23 abstained altogether. To put it in its proper context... Those 78 member nations voted to condone the sadistic, barbaric attack that slaughtered, butchered, and burned alive better than 1,400 people in Israel, including more than 30 Americans, and condoned the taking by Hamas of more than 200 hostages. Putting it bluntly, the United Nations of thugs, thieves, and despots has become a den of anti-Semite vipers and ambassadors of the member nations who voted not to condemn the sadistic barbaric attack perpetrated by Iran's proxy government and army Hamas actually applauded the condoning of that attack. But it gets worse. Last Thursday, November 2nd, and Friday, November 3rd, Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism and the puppet master of Hamas, the entity they bankrolled and armed for the express purpose of killing all the Jews and wiping Israel from the face of the earth, presided over the United Nations of Thugs, Thieves, and Despots Human Rights Council Social Forum. The theme for this year's two-day forum was technology and promotion of human rights. The chair of that forum, Iran, recently hanged Yosef Murad and Sandola Frizelzer for using social media to criticize religion. Diane, before I continue, I think I would be remiss not to include some more historical context. Well, probably some of the 
best historical um, context stems from the aftermath of the Holocaust when the state of Israel was formed. Yeah, and that that took place in July of 1945. Shortly after defending the Nazis in Europe, the U.S. called for the formation of an international organization for the purpose of preventing genocidal maniacs and their nations from ever again trying to exterminate any group of people. And thus, the United Nations was founded in October of 1945. Two years later, in 1947, the United Nations General Assembly adopted Resolution 181, also known as the Partition Resolution, that would divide Great Britain's former, quote-unquote, Palestinian mandate into Jewish and Arab states in May of 1948, when the British mandate was scheduled to run out. Exactly 11 minutes later, the United States became the first nation to recognize Israel as an independent nation. Now, during World War II, Hitler was the genocidal maniac behind Nazi Germany's quest to exterminate the Jews. Then, Russia fought against the Nazis and against Hitler. The idea behind the United Nations then was to protect civilized people from savage, barbaric, and genocidal nations and the madmen that ran them. That was then. And today, the script has been flipped. Now, Russia has sided with the new Nazi regime, Iran, under the control of a genocidal maniac, the Ayatollah Ali Khomeini, whose quest is to eliminate the Jews. And today's United Nations of thugs, thieves, and despots has become the protector of the savage, sadistic barbarians, leaving civilized nations and people to fend for themselves. Today's United Nations of thugs, thieves, and despots condones the barbaric act of savages and condemns the response to such acts by civilized people. So, Diane, the question becomes, can the UN be fixed? And I think, in a word, no. And because it cannot be fixed, it must be dealt with decisively. As the U.S. pours roughly 12 to $13 billion into the world's most corrupt organization, and because that organization has decidedly taken on the role of protecting and condoning the acts of sadistic barbarians, the U.S. should immediately pull out of that sorry organization and immediately cut all funding to it. I believe that doing that would set the stage for a mass exodus of civilized nations from the most uncivilized of international organizations. Well, when you think about everything that's going on over there, and we all know who's behind it all, there is only one solution to ending this. Yeah. You know, proxies like Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, and others simply would not exist were it not for Iran, and thus the world's leading sponsor of terrorism needs to be dealt with. Iran's oil production needs to be bombed back into the Stone Age, and Iran's ability to manufacture any weapons of war must be dismantled and destroyed. Finally, 
to those at the United Nations of Thugs, Thieves, and Despots, to those around the world, on our own college campuses, and in our halls of Congress calling for a ceasefire so that Hamas can regather, rearm, and recommit more atrocities of barbaric, sadistic savagery, I invite them to watch the video that I have embedded in my blog at thenationalpatriot.com in which a Hamas spokesman, Ghazi Hamad, bluntly vows that Hamas will perpetrate more and more October 7th-style attacks against Israel until Israel ceases to exist on the face of the earth. There have been well more than a dozen ceasefires after Hamas firing rockets into Israel and Israel retaliating, but each of those ceasefires has been broken by Hamas. To be perfectly clear, there was a ceasefire in place being completely honored by Israel on October 6, 2023, and that was broken again by Hamas in the most barbaric, savage, and sadistic attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. It has become perfectly clear that over the past 18 years, Hamas has no intention of living in peace. Their charter calls for the elimination of Israel and the extermination of the Jews, and we have a Hamas mouthpiece telling the world that his barbaric terrorist organization will not stop until the Jews and Israel have been removed from the face of the earth. Those calling for yet another ceasefire, which Hamas has vowed to break once again, can go straight to hell. Israel didn't start this war. Hamas did. But Israel will finish it. The U.S. must get out of the U.N. The U.N. must be exiled from the U.S., And we must do everything possible to work with Israel and other civilized nations to end the barbaric regime in Iran. That is the bottom line. And that's a very true bottom line. I say level the whole damn strip of land, turn it either into a memorial park, flood it with water, So there is no more Gaza Strip. It might change the coastline a bit, but do it anyway or glass it over. I I mean, it's out of control. Right now, as we sit here tonight on the 7th of November, in just the past two and a half weeks alone, there have been 48 attacks against U.S. military personnel in the Middle East. Engineered by Iran. Exactly. And what have we done about it? Nothing. Nothing. Now, if that doesn't promote weakness on the world stage, I don't know what does. And yet at the same time, there's a contradiction going on because yesterday it was announced that Biden was sending a... uh, Nuclear-armed ship over to the Mediterranean. A nuclear-armed submarine. Submarine, right, over to the the Mediterranean. It's, It's almost like he's got Obama on one side pulling his strings, doing, telling him what to say, but yet there's someone on the other side who we really don't know of yet 
who's saying, well, you better counter it by doing at least this. We'll send this up there. It won't do anything, but we'll sh- make a show of force. You know, this, this show of force thing is crap. If you're going to send our military over there, send them over there with a purpose. They're not window dressing. This is our military well, we're talking about. And, 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 you know, we talked about this last week, Diane. Why the hell tell the world we're sending a nuclear sub over there? Because this is, you know, Obama running the show and he doesn't care. Right. But, I mean, he, my, he my common love sense. To see. Well, my, my common uh, Obama wants Israel gone. Well, of course he does. And probably always has. You know, my common sense you know, says let them figure out there's a nuclear sub there when the time is ripe. Yes, exactly. I mean, don't telegraph it. Well, this is, it's a show. The world can see we're doing this, but at the same time, we're demanding a ceasefire and a pullback and this and that. So we're confusing everybody. No, you're just making Joe more confused. Well, that we know take it's much. all a farce. That you they know, have no intention of su- really supporting Israel. Right. And what they also don't want out, we already have military there. And, and they're getting bombed on a daily basis. Exactly. You know, and, and we're not doing anything. I, I'm going to, I'm going to quote a new phrase here and I might put it up as a meme tomorrow morning. Okay. Nobody respects a paper tiger. That kind of sounds familiar. <laughs> I'm just saying nobody respects that's- a paper tiger. And that's what we've got over there. We've got warships over there. We've got aircraft carriers over there. We got aircraft strike forces over there. We're sending a nuclear sub over there. And for what? And in the meantime, who's protecting Taiwan? Well, certainly not Joe Biden. Right. Don't be surprised if Iran make, I mean, uh, China makes a move earlier than expected. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked. What are we going to do then? Yeah, well, you know, more paper tigers. Yeah. I mean, you know, nobody, nobody's going to, I mean, after... After the disaster that was Biden's pullout in Afghanistan, leaving Americans and American allies behind, leaving tens of billions of dollars of war equipment behind for the Taliban, mm-hmm. nobody respects this idiot on the world stage. You know, no. and, and Obama knows that. This is by Obama's design. This is this has been in the works for years. The attack on Israel that tried to take down the whole entirety of the Jewish state has been in play for years. There's a one there's a reason why Netanyahu did not trust Obama. There's a reason why he does not like Obama. A lot of this stuff started with Obama. Absolutely it did. Yes. I mean, I mean, you know, think about it. 
when, when that whole situation was going on with Muammar Gaddafi over in Libya and Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States, Libya attacked U.S. civilians and U.S. military. Right. Reagan sent fighter jets and blew up Gaddafi's son's tent with Gaddafi's son inside of it. Right. I remember that. And that attack by the U.S. took place in the middle of the night. The story Mm -hmm. was one of Reagan's aides went in, woke the president up, and said that we had just bombed Gaddafi's son's tent and killed Gaddafi's son. And he said the uh, the U.S. fighter jets were attacked by Gaddafi's fighter jets, and our fighter jets were chasing the the Libyan fighter jets all the way back to the heart of Libya. Mm, at okay. which point, at which point, we bombed their airfield and blew up their jets. Reagan's right. Reagan's only question was. Did our boys get home okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, yeah. you're talking about, you know, you're talking about a president that loved his country, loved the military, was respected by the military, and you're talking about two individuals, Obama and Biden, that who don't. are the antithesis of everything that this country should be and was under the likes of Reagan. 100% true. The commentary is under the title of a a den of anti-Semite vipers. You can get it at thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place you can go, you can pick up the link uh, to my commentary this week, and I hope that you will share it everywhere. But with that, Diane, We've run out of time for tonight's show. Yes, we have. So see you guys on Friday and nighty night. Have a great rest of the week, folks. We'll catch up with you Friday night. Bye-bye.